This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good Friday morning uh, to you as we welcome you along to the programme. And can I just start by saying I heard it there in the death notices with uh, Barry O'Mahony how saddened I was to hear yesterday of the death of PJ O'Mahony from Mallow. PJ would, would have been a well-known taxi driver in Mallow. But for all of us here at the radio station, he was very involved with the starting of this uh, radio station now over 30 years ago and a nicer, friendlier man uh, you couldn't have met. So I was really saddened to hear of PJ's passing yesterday and just deepest sympathies to Teresa's wife, uh, to Kieran, his son and, and all of uh, the family from all of us here at, at uh, C103. May PJ rest in peace. Now, uh, today, the day the Irish Cancer Society has been waiting for for three years at this stage. They are back out on the streets selling the silk daffodils. And I'm assuming that fresh daffodils are on sale as well. When I was out this morning, I certainly saw some people uh, selling uh, outside shops, selling the silk daffodils. And we're encouraging people to please be as generous as you can if you're out and about doing some shopping today and support the Irish Cancer Society. They, of course, the money that will be raised today will go on to fund free cancer support services and as we heard during the week uh, some of the money also goes to life-changing cancer research research that gets conducted a lot of it getting conducted here in Cork and there's been many breakthroughs and there's been many clinical trials and there are people listening to this programme today are alive because they were able to go on a clinical trial that had been funded by the Irish Cancer Society and it has extended the their lives. It's, uh, it's incredible some of the work that goes on under cancer trials. So anything that we can do to help out the Irish Cancer Society today, please do. Now there are some events as well if you're out and about across the city and county. I'm assuming that there isn't a town or a village or an area of the city where you won't be able to buy a silk daffodil uh, today. But if you're in Mallow, you can pop in and attend a coffee morning at Hurley's Centre on Main Street. They're starting half past past 10 this morning and they'll be holding that coffee morning until 12 noon. If you're anywhere near Barry Row, the Euro Spa in Barry Row, they're taking in donations all day today for Daffodil Day. And coffee morning that was scheduled in Chaplains and Kilbritton for Daffodil Day, they've been relocated to an out 
outdoor event. And the outdoor event is going to be held at O'Sullivan's Pharmacy behind the new library in Bandon. Now what they're doing instead of having an indoor coffee event, they're holding a takeaway coffee and cake uh, sale and that's going to be available all day today at O'Sullivan's Pharmacy behind the new library in uh, Bandon. And if you are in Canturk, there's a coffee morning in aid of Daffodil Day. It's going to be held at the Temperance Hall on Strand Street that's next to the Alley Bar. They've got underway at 10 o'clock this morning and they're having their coffee morning until 12 noon uh, today. They're also accepting any donations of baking and I'm told that the transition year students at Skullmira in Canturk, they're going to be out on the streets today selling the daffodils on behalf of the Irish Cancer Society. And I've won for tomorrow. This is Bail Namarov Daffodil Day fundraiser. That's going to be held tomorrow from 10am to 6pm at Tig Lure Bar. Uh, they're having a cake sale and a raffle and that's an all day event for tomorrow. So do what you can please to support the Irish Cancer Society and a Daffodil Day. Bernie's taking your calls this morning at 0818 103 103. Anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can text, you can WhatsApp as well to 086 103 And with so many people coming down with COVID-19 at the moment, the big one for a lot of people a lot of people is the isolation period and for many people getting COVID-19 they're not very unwell Are they, from what I can gather for this particular variant if you get symptoms it can, for a lot of people it's kind of short and sharp you might be feeling very unwell maybe for 24 hours 48 hours but then maybe for the rest of the week you're feeling fine just a little bit tired but no real symptoms but of course the isolation period at the moment is seven days and that is frustrating a lot of people so what's been reported today is that that isolation period may be reduced. It seems it's something now that's been considered by the government because with the isolation period of seven days, there's serious concerns about the impact that it is having both on the public sector and on the private sector when it comes to workforce and when it comes to staff being available to go to work. Now we do have rising transmission of COVID-19 uh, but even allowing for that the government is examining whether the isolation period could be reduced which would then allow employees who tested positive to return to work sooner than having to wait the full seven days. The discussions follow concerns that have been raised by unions and by businesses about staff shortages because we have this new wave of COVID which literally is sweeping the country. And Now there is to be a new group which is going to be set up to oversee the pandemic. This is the group that will replace Neffert because they, they disbanded Neffert and then put nothing in in its place and while everyone thought when Neffert was disbanded. Oh, is that it? The pandemic is over. And of course, as we knew and I said at the time, it's far from being over. So what's now going to happen is a new group. It won't be Neffet. It'll be kind of a, well, dare I say, Neffet light. And that's what will replace it. And they will be the ones then to issue advice to the government on how to react to the uh, virus. It's been spoken about that it could have up to 12 members who will include public officials. And obviously the Chief Medical Officer, Dr Tony Houlihan, I'm assuming, will head up this group as well. But the exact makeup has yet to be announced. But the Leo Varadkar was talking about this earlier in the week and he said that this new group would be unveiled imminently. Uh, dare I say that imminently should be now because I think with the wave 
of COVID-19 that's spreading around the country. I think the government needs somewhere to go now for advice on how we should actually be uh, handling it. And there is a push within government, though, to try to reduce this seven day isolation uh, period. But surely that's not one. That's not something that the government can do without getting advice from uh, somewhere. And of course, if they did decide to ease the rules, it certainly would free up more than 5,000 healthcare workers. They're currently out because of uh, the virus. That's causing huge problems within hospitals. And we wouldn't be the first country to reduce the isolation period for people who get a COVID-19 positive diagnosis. Because in America, as far back as last December, they reduced the isolation period from seven days down to five days. So I'm assuming that's what unions and employers are looking for us to do here. Instead of staying out of work for seven days, you'd stay out of work for five uh, days. Now, Dr Tony Houlihan so far has told the government that there's no need to reintroduce any type of restrictions because, again, there has been calls that maybe we should be looking at the mask mandate again. Should we be looking at the social distancing uh, again, particularly when infection levels are so high in this uh, country? The HSC, of course, are already saying that their hospitals, all of our hospitals now are overwhelmed. We have record attendances of patients. Now, these are people coming in with non-COVID illnesses to the emergency departments. And it's gotten so bad now that the HSC is suspending elective care. And instead, they're going to have to focus on urgent time critical patients. And of course, the fact that the HSE has made this decision to suspend elective care, it now means that thousands of patients who have been on waiting lists, some of them for many, many years, are now going to be getting phone calls or letters in the post to say that their procedures have been cancelled. And they're going to be receiving and hearing that news over the coming week, which is going to be devastating for so many uh, people. And a reduction in the isolation period for positive patients in hospitals That would help reduce some pressure and would free up beds as well. So there would be a positive spin to the hospitals if they went from seven days to five days for the isolation uh, period. And of course, we were over 23,000 cases again yesterday. The numbers in hospital with COVID-19 also on the rise up to close of business yesterday, 1,425. But again, 50% of them are in hospital for something else. But the fact that they have COVID, they have to be treated as a COVID patient and that brings all kinds of problems with it for the hospital. But it's good at least to say that people are not getting very unwell because the intensive care numbers are still stable. Actually, if anything, there was a slight drop. I think it went down by two yesterday. There's 53 people in intensive care with COVID-19, which shows that the, the vaccine wall of protection against becoming very unwell is certainly uh, holding up. But I was I heard earlier this morning Kingston Mills of Trinity College in Dublin. He was asked, you know, about this current wave of COVID-19 that we have and you know his explanation as to why we're having it at the moment and he says it, it's difficult to stop transmission from a person who is not wearing a mask so he said it was inevitable that we were going to see a surge in COVID cases he said that simply is the harsh reality if you remove the easing of the restrictions including the mask wearing and the social distancing and they did that at a time when there was a much more transmissible transmissible variant of 
coronavirus, this the Omicron BA2, and he said that's led to an increase in uh, COVID in infections. He also made the point that the fear factor has disappeared and people are kind of feeling, Ash, this is over. We can all get back to normal now, which aren't we all grand? And of course, we're not all grand and people are still picking up COVID-19. And his real worry is that from the majority of people who, who get infected, if you're a healthy person, it's not going to do. You might have a few days of sniffles. You might have a bit of a chesty cough. You might be feeling a bit tired, but you'll get over it and you'll be fine. But he said there are older people with health conditions. And of course, they are the ones that you'd most have to worry about. And of course, you know, you also would have to say you could you you have heard of and I've certainly heard from people who we've spoken with on this programme who were very healthy getting COVID-19 and they are the core group of people who've ended up with long COVID and nobody knows when you get COVID-19 could you be one of the unlucky ones to end up with long uh, COVID. 0818 103 103 Bernie has taken your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Tim in West Cork has been on to say there were three limousine calves on the Clonakilty to, to Dunmanway Road he said he spotted them at the clubhouse turn off if anybody is missing three limousine calves looking a bit lost at the clubhouse turn off on the Clonakilty to Dunmanway Road and we don't normally do birthday requests but I'm told that this gentleman is a big fan of the programme and always listens and that's Michael uh, Kelly who is celebrating his 80th birthday this weekend happy birthday to you Michael, love and best wishes from Richard, Teresa and from uh, Claire. And hi Patricia, will you mention that the big opening of the beautiful newly refurbished barn at Theo Park is happening next Saturday 26th, it's tomorrow, half past nine. Dancing is to Checkers. Also afternoon dancing next Sunday to the music of Teddy and Cahal Barry starting at half past two. Great weekend assured from all the gang at Theo at Park. And actually yesterday and I didn't get a chance to mention it, John O'Hearn, the PRO from Aragland GAA messaged me to say there are still a very limited amount of tickets available for tonight's fashion show. That's in Aragland Community Centre at half past seven. Now it's an important fundraiser for the Blackwater Search and Rescue Unit in Formoy, which is an organisation that do really vital and very, very challenging work and anything we can do to support the Blackwater Search and Rescue Unit, we're only too delighted to help out. So a fashion show tonight, limited number of tickets available, Aragland Community uh, Centre. And Marie says, uh, Hi Patricia, I assume when you're talking about the reduction in the isolation period, or that's what's been spoken about at the government, if they reduce the isolation period to five days, you would have to have a negative antigen test. Uh, The reason Marie is saying this is, she says, I'm currently isolating, wasn't very sick with COVID-19, it was just like having a heavy cold, but I'm still antigen positive after seven days, Question mark, question mark, question mark. Thank you, News is Marie. Marie, that came up on the programme last week. There was another listener in the very same situation, isolated for the seven days, did her antigen test, was still positive, didn't know what to do, was in a bit of a dilemma as to should she continue to isolate. So we got onto the HSC on her behalf and they suggested that that person go forward for a PCR test. So if after seven days you're still registering positive on your antigen test, go get, book yourself a PCR uh, test uh, just and then you'll know for sure if it's still in your system or not. 0818 103 103. Lines open. Court today on C103. Call Patricia.
Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Now, as, as we spoke about at the start of the week, the local community in Buttevant has rallied and helped to welcome almost 60 refugees from war-torn Ukraine and they're now staying at the old convent in the town. Derek Daly is from Buttevant and he set up a GoFundMe campaign to help the refugees while they're here and he joins me with uh, further details. Good morning to you, Derek. Privet, Patricia. Uh, you're very welcome to the programme. How, firstly, how are the refugees getting on? Are they settling in? Um, people are settling. You know, everyone, every, like, like no more than ourselves, the representative of ourselves. So they're all settle in their different ways and at different times. But they have they have people around them um, to help in the communities rallying around them here as well. I suppose Jersey and spoke to you about that already. The, the kind of the kindness Olympics are going on here. We have the, <laughs> the kindest people. Uh, in, in the world in Buttevant and it's all been shown in the past week. And I have to say, Derek, the local people were absolutely amazing in how the convent was turned around in such a short period of time last weekend. Uh, yeah, and Ger, Ger has, has gone through that already with you and I suppose um, there was a lot of a, a lot of work put in by the community on, on that score. Uh, but I suppose when we saw the donations coming in, and they came taken fast. We looked around, and um, we saw that it was the home comforts that were missing, and so that's where the GoFundMe came out of. Um, yeah, so, yeah. T- t- yeah. T- tell me about the GoFundMe page and, and why, and what's your your thought pattern behind this? But we had uh, so much stuff in terms of clothes, the essentials. I'd say we have enough toothbrushes to keep. <laughs> <laughs> um, to keep a pharmacy in business right. um, for a year. Um, and we have like sanitary products for, for women. We have shampoos. We have all of the essentials. And we looked around and said, what are we missing? And it's kind of the things that make humans human, you know, with more than the essentials. Um, so that's where the GoFundMe came from. Um, so we wanted to sort the gap there. Um, but like you say, no more than ourselves, a lot of people are... Um, they're representative of ourselves in our own community and they just speak a different language and culture. They're very proud, so they don't want to be seen as needing charity and things like that. And that's not where this has come from. We just want to do everything we can to help. Um, and there's an amazing time that's been shown by people. Um, so we spoke to some of the some of the people who've arrived from Ukraine and they, we've given them kind of the, the choice of what they want to do with the money so they'll decide themselves on that and That's good, um, that, want, yeah. to see, yeah. want to see the country and the culture that they've they've come to Great. some of it will be used for that and um, I suppose that's the, the main thing is that they're treated with dignity and respect and they have their own choice in how they want to spend it yeah, and you know, the, the, these people, God help them, they don't want to be here. They have no choice. They're, they were fleeing uh, for yeah. their lives, you know, and I know uh, and I hear it constantly uh, for anyone who's been dealing with any of the refugees, you know, they want to go home and please God, they, you know, one day they will go home. Uh, and in the meantime, it's just to make them feel as comfortable and relaxed and try and let them enjoy it in some way. Yeah, there is that, but a, a lot of people um, want just want work. Is is what a lot of people want, and we're very skilled people: doctors, teachers, lawyers, landscapers, students, retired people. Like I said, they're representative of ourselves. Um, so, and of course, uh, they're they're entitled to they're they're allowed to work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they, just need, they just need to get their PPS numbers, and yeah. that's, that's that's in train. 
So you reckon a lot of them will go out and find work? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a priority for a lot of them. And God knows we've got a skills shortage in this country that that could be the uh, an added bonus to us welcoming these lovely people in, in into our communities. Yeah. Like, oh. uh, and the thing is, this is kind of this is going to go on for the foreseeable future. So, while in our town we've had a flurry of activity for the last week, and I, I can't say enough about all of the people, and I could give till the end of the show naming people if I started, and businesses and organisations. So I won't start. But the amount of kindness and, and support that's been shown in the community has been fantastic. But for other communities out there, I suppose what I'd say is prepare, get a, get a core group of volunteers together. Um, like we have a WhatsApp group that has about 50 or 60 people in it, and they spread the message. Um, and other communities, I would advise, get that started now so that you're, you're one step ahead of where we were last, last Friday. Yeah, because in fairness to the good people of Butterfield, there was the short notice that you got. But yeah. as you say, you rallied, you rallied, but it would have been better. I, I know exactly the point you're making if people had prepared in advance so that when they get that phone call, you're all systems yeah. go and, and you're ready to accept them. Do you expect more to arrive in, in Butterfield, Derek? I don't know at all, Patricia. Okay, all right, you. okay. Um, it's, we're, we're just trying to, from the volunteer point of view, um, do what we can until we're needed and on, only when we're needed. But what, what people need to do, I suppose, as communities is be there and help people. And we've had offers of invites to birthday parties and all sorts of things like that and activities, which is great. And that's what people need. They need to feel part of a community and they want to work. And the little ones, are they in school? Have children gone to school? Uh, some of them have started school. Have they? Yeah. Great. Yeah. great. Yeah. And children, of course, will be great to make friends with other children. And there's no language barrier when you put children together in play. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I haven't really seen it. I've kind of been trying to trying to, trying to work as well during the week. So, I know. I know. I suppose a, lot, a lot of us locally have been just um, very lucky with our employers as well. They appreciate that uh, we, we've gone missing for, for a time too, so... And you, but did I did I hear that your boss actually went to Ukraine? You you're with Denny he Motors. Went, he, went, he went to Poland, so Poland. The safe harbour for Ukraine group in Cork City. Yeah. Um, oh, they so. were the group that bought back the busload. Yes. Oh yes. yeah, that was they were that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that so, that was amazing. Yeah. All right, so your your GoFundMe page, Derek, if people would like to help out in any way. Uh, is Ukrainian starter assistance and I suppose we'll keep it going because there may be more people come we don't know and we want to be able to display the same kindness to anyone who comes next September as we did now in March. Well done. Well done. Okay, listen, uh, continue good luck with it, uh, Derek, and it's a great initiative and, and I love the way, the idea that you're, it's for the Ukrainians themselves to decide if there's something they want to do or something that they need and let it be led by them, which is the way it should be. Thanks a million for that, uh, Derek, and thanks for thanks, joining sir. us. Good morning Bye-bye. to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Derek Daly from Buttervent doing that GoFundMe page for the refugees that are currently there. 0818103103. Bernie is taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. 
Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now Mother's Day is of course next Sunday so a big shout out to all the mothers listening and here's hoping that you have a really special day. And to coincide with the day, my name tags.ie conducted a survey to discover more about the Irish Mammy. And to discuss the results, I'm joined by Managing Director of My Name Tag and that's Lars Anderson. Good morning to you, Lars. Good morning, Patricia. You're welcome to the programme. Now, you looked at how we refer to our Irish mammies. And did mammy even make the list? Well, so, so you know, they, we, we just looked at the different different things here in terms of, yeah, uh, is it mam, is it mum? Uh, and, and what are the traditional names uh, that, that the mammies should be, should be called? And what came out on top? So the, we asked people, what is the most traditional mammy name? And Mary was by far the, the most traditional name, what, what people think of as an Irish mammy. Uh, 73% said Mary, 12% Maureen, 8% Bridget, and Anne had 6% of the vote. Oh, this is on the Christian names. This is the actual Christian name. Yes, yes, but, I, but I'm yes, talking yes. about how we refer to our mother. Is, is mam more popular than mum? Is mammy? Do people still use the term mammy? Mam is really the big one. So 59% said mam was, okay. the, was the name we, we use. Mum is, is 20%. Some, some mammy or mum, but, but mam is is the word to use. And, and no one really uses the, the Christian name of, of their own man. Okay, so the Mary, the Maureens, the Bridgets and the Annes are, is, is not actually used. No, it's just th- those are the names we think. What, what, is, what is the typical name we think of when we think of a, a mammy? And it's Mary came out on yeah. top. <laughs> yeah. And what about the grandmothers then? How do we refer to, to, the, to the grandmothers? So there it was a little bit, it was almost even between uh, Granny and Nana, but Nana was really the, the winner. So more Nanas than Grannies in Ireland? Yes. Wow, yes. that's a surprise so, uh, now. I would have thought more Grannies than, than, uh, than uh, Nanas. And then you asked uh, the Irish mothers about pet names for their children. Yeah, so so uh, so it's it's uh, most people use the Christian name. Uh, so so we don't really have have so many pet names, but but we had twenty five percent saying love uh, and and pet darling and sweetheart each got got nine percent. So there was a bit more of a, a spread there, but love was the was the most was, was common pet name. Was the top one, so, yeah. But 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 mammies calling their children by their Christian names, and if there's a lot of children in the household, I think what's notoriously common when they're trying to call one name, they'll go down through every single name of every child to get to the <laughs> one that they want. That's that that is a, a really really common one. All right, but mam is up there as the the most popular way of addressing our mothers. All right, Lars, listen, thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Lars Anderson of my uh, name tags just to.
coincide with Mother's Day. Uh, but Mammy, uh, Mammy isn't as popular. It's Mam is the one and certainly much more popular than Mum. I was surprised on the Nana versus Granny. I thought the Granny would have been higher than Nanny. I thought it would have been flipped the other way. And I'm just seeing Grandma didn't seem to have featured at all. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862. 103103. Has anybody recently travelled to Lanzarote? If so, can you offer advice from Mary, one of our listeners, who is travelling to Lanzarote this day week next Friday and she is desperately trying to get an answer as to whether she needs a professional antigen test or not and she just can't seem to get the answer. And it's so it's so difficult now with international travel because it varies from country to country. Now I'm assuming that Lanzarote the Canary Islands falls under Spain. And if you're, if you're going with Spain, I know they have this app that you have to download if you're travelling to Spain. It's a, it's a health control form and you do it all. It's linked to your digital COVID certificate. And as far as I know, there isn't antigen tests or PCRs on it the last time I checked. But uh, let's put a shout out to anybody else who has recently travelled to Lanzarote. Did you need a professional antigen test or not? Um, As I say, Mary, I think my, my interpretation of it is that you need to just download that app. And by downloading the app, you get a QR code and then that the QR code, you show them before boarding. And then once you arrive in Spain, which as a, which I'm assuming governs the Canary Islands as well. I'm sure there's somebody listening who has recently come back from Lanzarote or recently travelled there who may be able to tell us whether you need a, a, a an antigen test or not. I know on Monday we are doing a piece with the Travel Agents Association and this is to do with, there seems to be problems with passports we're back to that stage again so if we don't get an answer between now and then Mary I certainly will ask the rep from the Travel Agents Association to see if they have an answer for us Now I've had an email in from the programme and this is relating back to last weekend and the sort of the bank holiday weekend and the busy weekend that we had for Patrick's Day from somebody who wants me to keep her details private which is fine but just says Hi Patricia we would like you to bring something up on the programme that really annoyed me last weekend I was speaking with somebody who had just turned 18 in January of this year and was heading out to celebrate on St Patrick's Day they went to their local town and headed to one of the few good bars left in the town now they've been going there since they all came of age and they've never had any issue getting in because when they're asked for proof of age they're able to show their ID and they're all over 18 even though they've just recently turned 18 except on St Patrick's Day they were told sorry the bar is over 21s only for that night. This really annoyed me as their custom has been good enough all along but when they're expecting a crowd of older people they then decide the bar owners that they can turn away what I perceive as their bread and butter. I'm in my 30s and like most people my age I don't get out as often as I used to. The young people are the ones who go out most weekends they would be the ones that would be their best customers probably every Friday and Saturday night. So I can't understand how they think it's okay to turn on them just because 
they are expecting a busy day. I think it's very unfair and I think it's actually bordering on ageism in my eyes. Now I go to this particular bar myself and the presence of young people there never ever bothers me. Surely it's not right to just decide no 18 to 21 year olds can get in just because it doesn't suit them on the on the night. Please keep my details private. That does seem very, very unfair, particularly if it's a group of young people who are regulars in the bar. Whatever about if it's a very busy night and they're limiting, they have to limit the number of people that are going in and maybe they're only keeping it to local people. And maybe if there was, you know, people visiting the town for that particular night, they could then say, sorry, it's over 21s. But it does seem very unfair if this is a group of young people all dressed up, ready to go out and they frequent that bar and have been frequenting that bar for the last three months to suddenly be told, well, sorry, girls, you were okay last week because you're 18. And by the way, you'll be okay next weekend, but you're not okay for today. Because obviously on St. Patrick's Day, every single bar and pub, the length and breadth of the country was probably a chockers. Now, I don't know how common that is. Has anybody else heard of that happening to 18, 19 and 20 year olds that they're welcome in a bar on the quieter nights. But on any, and obviously that's, if that's the case, I'm assuming that that bar does it maybe around all of the bank holiday weekends. Do they also do it at Christmas, for example, when they know they're going to be guaranteed a crowd? But it does seem, it really does seem very unfair. Now the obvious thing to do, but will the young people do it if it's the only sort of really good bar in the town where they live they might be stuck for choice the obvious thing to do would be for the young people to say okay if you're not going to let us in on your busy days then we're not going to go and we're not going to support you on your quiet days and that certainly then I imagine would make the bar owners reflect and decide maybe that was a very wrong decision to make but if you're saying that it is the one good bar in the area where they live and they're only 18 they don't have much choice so therefore the bar owners know that as well and therefore they're making the decision that they can pick and choose on their busy days not to leave them in and then on the quiet days when they do need their custom it's then that they're leaving them in it, oh yeah I, I'm, I'm with you it does seem very unfair and usually when we discuss ageism we're talking about ageism with older people but in many ways, this is it is the very same. It is ageism of the younger people, the 18, 19 and 20 year olds who normally are allowed into that bar. But on that particular day, and I wonder, was it, do they do it on any of the other days? Because most of the bars, it would have been the eve of St. Patrick's Day, would have been busy St. Patrick's Day. And then, of course, that went into this day last week, which was another bank holiday that led into the weekend. So I'm taking that a lot of bars right across all of the weekends were busy. Yeah, it seems unfair. As I say, let's see, is, is this quite a common practice? Have people heard of it happening to others as well, that they can go into a bar except on a busy time, it suddenly gets flipped from eight, from over 18s to over 21s. I mean, you do have bars that all year round are over 21s or are over 23s and that's fine and fair and if people want to do that, that is OK. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a bar that allow these girls in and boys in except when times are busy and they suddenly don't feel that they need their trade. Thank you for your email to patricia at c103.ie. Your thoughts and calls welcomed to 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking the calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 
103 103. And actually, somebody says, did you find out what has happened? Did you get an update on the Airtel teletext uh, service? We were getting calls in earlier on in the week saying it has disappeared from the Serview service since last weekend. I think it was, and it was right across the county we were getting uh, reports in. And I've checked with Barney because we sent off a, an email a couple of days ago, nothing back, and we're going to try and get an, send a different email to somewhere else to see if we can get an answer. But no, the answer is we haven't heard anything back yet, but we will update date you if we do hear anything and thank you to a number of people reacting to Mary's text. Mary's going to Lanzarote this day next week and she's trying to find out uh, does she need to have a professional antigen test or a PCR test done and I put the shout out anybody just back from Lanzarote a lot of people are back from Lanzarote and everybody's saying pretty much the same thing including Michael and Skull just back from Lanzarote. No antigen test or PCR test uh, needed. Um, Michael says Mary will more than likely be asked for her COVID vaccine certificate and he wasn't asked for the passenger locator form and there's a couple of other people saying the same thing no PCR test uh, needed Noreen is just back a week from uh, Lanzarote as well and said tell Mary no you don't need an antigen test but Mary Nori says word of warning for Mary be very careful when you are going out there they are very very strict on the mask requirements they're still in place for Spain and obviously for all of the Canary Islands but the best thing you can do is you'll get it online they do this health control form and I'm sure you upload your co- your digital Covid certificate on uh, onto that before you travel but you need to fill that in before you travel but the main one is because I know there was a stage where people were running around trying to get PCR tests and antigen tests done before travelling. I'm sure for the States you still need to have uh, a negative test before boarding and God knows I've heard of people who were about to travel and again without symptoms went and got the test only to discover that somebody in the party was uh, positive but it doesn't, it's certainly not a requirement for Lanzarote Mary so enjoy your trip and on mask wearing Hi Patricia, just a point on mask wearing my wife is was in her doctor's waiting room she was wearing her mask, other people were not wearing masks and all the restrictions of but would you not think that the doctor's practice would insist on mask wearing and at least a gap between patients? I'm shocked to hear that because the while the requirement has been lifted for in retail and on public transport in health settings you're still required to wear a mask and health settings even includes if you're going into a pharmacy you're asked to wear a mask so I'm shocked to hear that any GP practice are allowing people into the waiting room without masks and certainly having patients you, the way you describe it gaps between patients they're sitting on top of each other as well really really surprised to hear that but I suppose each individual GP practice is different but they should be your wife is right to be wearing the mask and the the others should be wearing it as well Uh, Sally says my mask has not left my face when I'm out doing my weekly shop I can't believe the amount of staff and shoppers who are going around unmasked do people think Covid has gone away look at the numbers I'm fully vaccinated I've even had my booster no indoor dining for me yet and yet the local hotels the car parks crammed full the other weekend inside was heaving People need to uh, wake up. And I suppose, Sally, people are trying to get on with their lives. But what is happening is there is a lot of COVID still out there. And as somebody said, this particular Omicron strain, which is 
30% more contagious than the last Omicron one and has now become the dominant variant in this country. It seems to be sweeping up anyone who didn't get COVID in the past, but also the amount of people that I'm hearing about who had COVID last year and are getting COVID again. But the good news is, as I've mentioned, the vaccine wall is holding up and people are not getting very sick. And that's the most that we can hope for. Actually, just on a kind of one of those, you know, good news stories to do with COVID, the European medicines agencies have approved a first of its kind drug that reduces the risk of people getting COVID. Now, I heard about this a couple of weeks ago because it's been produced by AstraZeneca because we know that when you get the vaccine, the vaccine will protect you from getting very unwell and ending up needing ICU, but it doesn't stop you getting COVID-19. So this is the first drug that they now reckon reduces the risk of actually picking up uh, COVID. It's an antibody cocktail called Evoshid. It's made by AstraZeneca and it will potentially benefit immunosuppressed people in this country who do not respond to the vaccines. This particular drug was found to cut the risk of getting symptom, symptomatic COVID by about 80% for up to six months of clinical trials uh, last year and the European Medicines Agency has now given approval for it. As far as I know, it's a spray that goes up the nose a little bit like, you know, the vaccines that they use on children the flu vaccine they don't give them an injection it's a spray up the nose it's the same it's the same as that but made by AstraZeneca and the European Medicines Agency now has given it the go ahead so that will be the real real uh, changer in this because it will stop people getting COVID 0818 103 103 now Barry was shocked to read in his local paper, local paper being the Southern Star, about the elderly woman forced to wait 14 hours for an ambulance in West Cork recently. Barry said this simply isn't good enough and something needs to be do needs to be done about our ambulance service, particularly ambulances that cover rural areas. And it's it's actually in this week's uh, Southern Star. It's an article written by Jackie Kyo. Uh, it was an 88 year old woman living in Bandon. And bless her heart, she had some kind of a fall and she broke her shoulder and she ended up with a hairline fracture in her hip. And you could imagine the pain between a broken shoulder and a hairline fracture in her hip. And 14 hours, Barry is right, was the wait to get her to hospital. And actually it's her son, Eamon, uh, was speaking to, to the Southern Star this week and he you know, spoke about the severe and unnecessary distress that it caused to his mother and the worry that such delays could actually cost uh, lives. And I imagine as well for her son, for anybody sitting, to ha- having to watch an 88-year-old woman in that kind of pain saying, we've rang the ambulance, it'll be here in a minute, ma'am, it'll be here in a minute, ma'am. And 14 hours uh, later. Now, seemingly there was no ambulance available. It was on Monday night when this happened because they were all dealing with city calls. So he asked if the 14 hour delay is a new record low in the records on behalf of the amb- ambulance service. And I, I don't know if I've heard of anybody else waiting as long as that as 14 hours. He says, as a family, we don't want anybody else in West Cork suffering the same indignity as a result of bureaucracy 
hypocrisy and total lack of understanding of the reality on the ground. He said his mother fell while she was out walking in Bandon. It was about one o'clock in the day last Monday afternoon. Now the ambulance was called at two o'clock in the afternoon. So people reacted fairly quickly and realised that this woman had had serious enough injury and needed to get to the hospital. So the call went through at two o'clock. Now the son said despite numerous calls back and forth to the ambulance service throughout the afternoon, no ambulance arrived for the rest of the afternoon. So they got to obviously around six o'clock when South Dock kicks in. So they decided they better ring South Dock. So a doctor in fairness to South Dock came out and attended to this lady. The doctor placed a call. We're now at 10 o'clock on uh, Monday night and the family had to make another emergency call at 3am in the morning. We're now into Tuesday uh, morning. At this stage, Eamon, her son, said she was in severe pain, unable to move from the position she was sitting in in the armchair. And he said there was absolutely no way that they, because of, I mean, you know, the broken shoulder and the hairline fracture in her hip, there was no way they could have placed her into a car to drive her to the hospital. They just had to sit and wait and be with their mother while she's in excruciating pain. The ambulance anyway eventually arrived 4am in the morning. She was taken to Cork University Hospital and she got there at 5am. 5am Tuesday morning, bearing in mind the fall that happened at one o'clock in the day on uh, Monday. And it was while she was in hospital then they discovered broken shoulder and the hairline fracture to uh, her, her hip. Now her son said, you know, they're you know extremely grateful for the professionalism of the paramedics uh, who attended. And he, the son even said that the paramedics were, you know, mortified when they saw the, the woman and they saw how much pain uh, she was in. Um, her son believes that dispatching system is at fault because the powers that be are sending ambulances far and wide, chasing calls further and further from their home districts and then what happens when an ambulance is needed, there's no one to uh, cover. Now thankfully, his mother is in good care now and the wait time caused by the lack of ambulance cover in West Cork, he says, causing severe and unnecessary distress and possibly could cost uh, lives and I know Jackie Kyo in the Southern Star contacted the HSE but but they didn't respond to requests for comment at the time of uh, going to, to press. But that poor, poor woman, that just seems an, an excessively long period of uh, time waiting 14 hours. And we have dealt, we have heard about this before. There is a problem with our ambulances. They get tasked to go to other areas. A call comes in and often as not can happen as well. An ambulance at some stage may have been on its way to try to deal with this woman. But then something comes in that's deemed more of a priority, like a heart attack case or if there was a car accident and then the ambulance gets diverted and in the meanwhile this woman has to remain at home surrounded by her family but just in dreadful, dreadful pain it really is awful Listen, we wish that woman a speedy recovery and hopefully she'll get home soon, soon and she'll bounce back after that uh, broken shoulder and her the hairline fracture in her hip uh, we hope that she makes a very, very speedy recovery 0818 103 103 Bernie taking your calls C103 Jobs With Monster Tech Technological University. Enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with MTU.ie. Receptionist wanted for a part-time position at a GP medical centre. That's in Mallow. Experience is essential. CVs to Donna.Rafferty. Uh, or sorry, Donna.Rafferty at Rafferty1 at gmail.com. 
An EDIY technician is required for delivery of farm equipment in the Ballyduff Lismore area. Email CVs and a cover letter, please, to careers at munsterbovine.ie. Hotel receptionist with one to two years' experience that's required from Mallow. Email Tracy, info at hibernianhotelmallow.com. And a stock controller slash buyer wanted for an engineering supplier in the Mallow area. Please send your CV to carry.murphy at osborne.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. And just a traffic update from around the city. The piers has been, uh, and it's a beautiful day in the city. I'm just looking at some photographs of, of the traffic at the moment. There's an incident on the corner of Bridge Street and McCurtain Street and nothing is moving. It's causing delays on Bridge Street, onto Patrick's Bridge and onto the Quays. So if you're heading anywhere near the city, uh, leave it a little while until that incident gets uh, sorted. Out. Now, a push to recycle more clothing has been launched in the first of three towns selected for a pilot project named Developing a Circular Textile System for Ireland. The project has been launched in Charleville. And joining me with details is Christine Costello, who is with Community Resources Network Ireland. Good morning to you, Christine. Hello, Patricia. Thanks to join you. Thank you. You're welcome to the programme. Why is it so important that we all get into the habit of recycling more of our clothes and textiles? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Actually, it's really important to both reuse as much as possible of textiles and then recycle. So kind of keeping it higher up in the the, um, cycle. So if you can keep... Um, textiles in circulation for longer, clothing and home textiles, then um, that saves a lot of environmental resources and it can create local jobs, training and business opportunities. And I think the main problem is that the household bin is actually the single largest source of textile waste in Ireland. And so the key would be to try to encourage with this project to, um, instead of throwing items in the bin, you know, donate clean and dry textiles instead. And uh, many people don't realize that they can um, donate all types of textiles in various conditions, um, like home textiles, for example. Also, new, lightly used and well-loved clothing that have, like, rips, holes, and light stains, like yeah, those and, and mismatched I, socks. Or yeah. something, you know? you see, I, I think the majority of us, when we're donating to charity... Where I, I certainly am quite careful about what I put in the bag, making sure it's clean and like that, that it wouldn't have any rips on it or, 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 or anything. And I, is that where we're going wrong then? An item, are you saying that all clothing and all textiles have some kind of value? That's right, they do. Because if you think about all the energy and resources that it takes to make the textile product to begin with, whether it's clothing or home textiles, um, or even accessories or shoes, you know, bags and wallets, you know, that's a lot of energy. So if you can kind of keep it in circulation longer, um, that would really contribute to taking climate action. And what we call it is the circular economy, right? So Mm -hmm. that aims to reduce waste at all stages of the cycle and keep things in, 
in the economy longer. So yeah, you can donate um, many different um, types of products and in different conditions. Like the key is to donate them, you know, that are clean and dry. And then what the charity shops do, they're incredible. They actually, um, at least the Irish Charity Shops Association members, um, they are donating about 14,500 tons of textiles. They actually use, reuse those per year, that amount per year. So it's pretty incredible what they can do. They have very sophisticated sorting systems. Whatever they can't sell, you know, it could go to another shop, you know, within their network. Um, like, so, for example, if you donate to um, one of the charity shops, many of them will share within their own charity shops. Um, and also they'll recycle whatever is really non-usable or non-saleable. So actually, so what, what happens to value. yeah? What happens to something that is non-usable or you know has stains? I mean, I'm thinking of an old tatty T-shirt that has I've worn it to death and it's of no use to anybody anymore. And if I donate that, where does that end up then? Sure. So what they'll do first is they do a sorting at the charity shop. So they'll take a look and say, okay, is this saleable or not? Up, oh, it's a tatty you know, T-shirt like you're, you're, you're saying. Um, and so they'll say, okay, that goes to our textile recycler. But the charity still makes money from selling to the textile recycler, right? And mm-hmm. so what happens is if the charity can make money from that, then that can support kind of their, their missions, which a lot of times are poverty alleviation, etc. So um, homelessness, etc. So they, all of these charity shops are associated with charities that do incredibly good work, and the charity shops support the charity's work. And as a nation, we are good, aren't we, at donating to the charity shops? We're very, oh man, we are really philanthropic people, right? So whatever cause is out there, you know, we get around it. I'm really um, proud to be living in Ireland since 2015 in Galway. And um, it definitely, I think that we do really make an effort. I think the key is just to kind of help people with this project understand what they can donate, um, which Mm. is a lot more than people think, and try to get you know, the items out of the bin. The key with this project as well, and it's an EPA, Green Green Enterprise Innovation for a Circular Economy grant aid-funded program. And it's very exciting because it really is looking at a few things. It's looking at, you know, trying to, well, first and foremost, get the, figure out how we can get the textile waste out of the bin because in 2025, in January, as the EU Waste Framework Directive states, Ireland is going to need to come up with some sort of, you know, separate collections of textile system that's um, part of what will be required. So this is what this project is trying to do. So show people how, and it's happening actually in Charleville, in County Cork, and it's also happening in Arklow, County Wicklow, and then also in Bonkrana in County Donegal. So those are the three pilot areas. Um, and so that, and then the other piece is we're going to quantify and qualify or quantify and then assess kind of what textiles will we be getting out of this project and what types of business opportunities are out there? What kind of innovations could there be? Could there be, I don't know, um, a manufacturing facility put up where denim rag could be created and put into insulation in homes, for example? 
example. So there's a lot of really innovative businesses that could come out of this too. And we're trying to keep the textiles in Ireland as much as possible rather than exporting, right? So how can we build these local businesses and, and take advantage of all these textiles that are out there now? And you want people to take part in an online survey? I do. That would be fantastic. So if they're in um, and around the Charleville area, they can go to donatecharleville.ie and take the survey there. Um, And our main page is donatedontwaste.ie and people can go there and if they happen to be listening from our lower Bunkrana areas, they can take their surveys there. And for people living in Charleville or people who shop or work in Charleville, will they see evidence of this project in operation? I hope so. Um, what we're doing is we're, for Charleville, one of the, the ways that we're testing this is to do um, door-to-door collections. So what we're doing is we have three collection dates in different areas and neighborhoods within, the char- within Charleville. So our first one is coming up next week on the 31st of March. And then after that, it'll be the 28th of April. And after that, the 26th of May. And we're just asking people to just, you know, write SVP on their bags or if they get, you know, make sure they're in the area. So if they go to donatecharleville.ie, they'll be able to see if their area is covered and on what day. They'll just simply write SVP on their bags, fill them with clean and um, dry clothing and home textiles, place them outside their door. And then we're partnering with Ballyhora Development CLG and also um, working with Clean Technology Center is our technical partner on the project uh, out of MTU and they're going to be um, helping collect and um, count and quantify you know all of the textiles that we get and then actually they'll be delivered to the Vincent Charleville shop so the local community will benefit from the brilliant, additional textiles. Well done. well done. But of course, the best way is for us not to tire of our clothes and wear them more. I mean, that's what we're all guilty of, that we have, we buy too much clothing. That's right. I mean, really, the fashion industry produces up to 10% of global CO2 emissions. So, um, and it's the second largest consumer of water of any industry and has significant impacts on water and ocean pollution. So if there's a way to first and foremost reduce the consumption of new textiles, that would be great. A way to do that is to shop in cherry shops, right? Those mm-hmm. items are pre-loved. So um, go for it. And some people actually donate, and it's perfect, you can donate new clothing that you didn't like after you got it back from the shop and it's too late to return. So, I mean, even that, like you can find some new items as well. But, yeah, the key is, you know, shop um, pre-loved, um, and shop your own closet, shop your friend's closet. You know, you can do um, little swaps. I do that all the time. I pass things on to my neighbors. Um, and we have a lot of fun. You know, well they'll done. come over and try on the dresses or try on the <laughs> blazers or whatever it is. And so it certainly there's a is, lot that can be done. It's yeah. a great way for children's clothes because children grow out of clothes so quickly they'll get a growth spurt and it's you know it's, it's great to see you know mums passing clothes around each other you know between each other between families absolutely and I mean there's some great organizations in Ireland that are actually doing 
um, textile reuse. And so CRNI, just to, so Community Resources Network Ireland, our organization, we have 40 member organizations that include social enterprises and community-based organizations in the Reuse, Repair, and Recycling Center. And many of our members worked with pre-loved textiles, whether it be for resale or upcycling. So upcycling is another um, way that you can use your existing textiles. So actually you can visit, people who are listening can visit our members directory at crni.ie. So that would be a way to kind of learn more about, you know, maybe some um, organizations in your area that are working on this issue. Okay. All right. We all need to get the knowledge of what we need and to stop putting less things into the bin that goes for uh, landfill. Uh, you still have your a very strong American accent. So I was interested <laughs> when you said you, you you moved in 2015. You're not you're not here that long. What what brought you from? What part of America? Oh, I'm from San Francisco. And what brought you to beautiful Galway? My wonderful husband, Patrick, <laughs> and his wonderful family who are all in Ennis County Clare. <laughs> the love of a man. You it's can't, true. You can't beat it. All right. Listen, Christine, it was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Oh, thank and, you uh, so much, Patricia. And thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And good luck to everybody involved in Charleville, which is say they are the, they launched this uh, project and they're one of the first of three pilot towns that have been selected. Donate, don't waste.ie if you want to check out more about it. Bernie's taking your calls at 0818 103 103. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And having just spoken about the circular economy and trying to get more people to reuse and to donate uh, items and uh, try to make sure that we recycle as much of clothing and textiles as possible. Uh, Christina, our expert, had suggested that she donates and they swap clothes amongst neighbours. Somebody says, I can't imagine what reaction I would get if I offered my old clothes to my neighbour. Well, maybe give it a try and see how you get on with that. Thanks for your text to 0862 103 103. Now, if you're still struggling with an idea for what to give your wonderful mother for next Sunday, because, of course, it's Mother's Day, why not consider a good night out filled with laughter? May I suggest tickets to the wonderful Ballymaloo Grain Store for next Thursday night for Des Bishop's stand-up comedy show, which is very aptly called Mia Mama. And I'm delighted to say Des Bishop joins me. Good morning to you, Des. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome to the programme. Firstly, congratulations to you on your engagement. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, it took a pandemic and losing my mother to find settle down. Oh. <laughs> Have you set a date? Yeah, yeah, we're getting married May 13th. Friday the 13th. Uh, <laughs> no, was that... Whenever I tell Irish people, the first thing they say is, oh, you, you got it for cheap, did you? <laughs> but it has, it has nothing to do with the price. It just it just happened to be a good day for us. Oh, awesome. what best of luck on Friday the 13th. Yeah, oh. well, we're not superstitious, so uh, it doesn't mean anything uh, to us, okay. but obviously some people care. Okay, and I hope the sun is shining. All right, your right. your new show is uh, is all about your mother, who, as you say, sadly passed away in, in 2019. Now, Des, by your own admission, you had a, a complicated relationship with your mother. Was writing this show almost part of, of a healing of that relationship of sorts? I mean, you know, I don't know if writing the show was part of a healing of it. I mean, to be honest, we, we had quite a bit of healing, you know, particularly in those final years after my father died and and that is in the show so i don't know if the show was was a healing as much as the show kind of just 
happened, I just started talking about. Uh, initially, I, I just started like improvising about what just happened, my mother dying and funerals and wakes and eulogies. That was the kind of lighthearted stuff. But then as I got more into it, started talking about our relationship, it became the, the show that it became. And I guess, you know, it's it's fun. It's It's great to be able to stand in front of a group of strangers, talk about this, what you think is your unique relationship with your mother, and have so many people laugh in, in uh, I guess, identification, mm-hmm. uh, and then you realize that this is actually quite normal. And even if it's not, like, not everyone is obviously going to have identified with my relationship with my mother, but it's nice uh, It's nice to be able to see the funny side while also able to sort of, like, admit that it, it was a little messed up at times, you know? Uh, and it's also great in a kind of modern Ireland where these type of discussions are like more normal, you know? So the whole package makes it kind of actually a fun, easy thing to talk about. And I guess in a way it's kind of healing, but that wasn't the motivation. That was, I guess, the result. Yeah. And I I, I don't know if it's just an Irish thing around dying, death, and then the funeral and the wake and all of that. There's always humour. You'll always hear families talk about something you know, really funny that happened around that time. And I don't know if that's just a uniquely Irish thing. I mean, I don't know if it's a uniquely Irish thing, but I know that uh, because, you know, I grew up in Queens, which is actually, I think, the most culturally diverse place on the planet. Uh, but our neighborhood wasn't that culturally diverse. It was a lot of kind of like Europeans, children's, uh, European immigrants, children and grandchildren, mostly Italian, Irish. And I have to say that the Italians do not hold humor as important at the funeral. And you really notice that because, you know, at the wake, they all come in, like, very somber. You know, they, like, their culture is, like, you cannot seem like you're happy in any way. And it's it's very somber and it's very respectful. Whereas the Irish come in and they'd be like, oh, sure, you know, she was a bit of a pain most of the time. I'd say you have a bit of relief. You know, like, they feel like they have to sort of, like, make a joke, you know, which I prefer, obviously. So you can see the difference between the different cultures when you're at a, a funeral in Queens. Whether other countries can also identify with that sense of having a laugh at a funeral and a wake, uh, I don't know. But definitely, we, even though we grew up in the States, our, our wake and funeral for both my father and my mother were very much of the having the, the crack variety, you know? Yeah, yeah. I remember my own mother's somebody asking, did she die of anything serious? I was thinking, she's dead. Like, <laughs> yes, it was serious. Well, there's a lot of comedians joke about the died suddenly or died peacefully or, you know, but I mean, you know, I talk, because, so here's the thing, like, even just having this conversation, I discuss all these things in the show, but within the show, I, I'm very much conscious of the fact that everyone has different experiences with death and different experiences with grief. So I very much make it clear that this is my personal journey because I would never like anyone to think that I was being dismissive, because I always have great sympathy, despite the fact that I've now lost both parents, I've had a lot of experience with death and grief, I always have a huge sympathy for people who lose somebody suddenly, because yeah. I haven't had that experience, and I, in both times, despite the sadness of their illnesses, it gave us a bit of a warning shot, a bit of time to spend with them and prepare mentally, emotionally. Uh, so I really, and I'm sure there's people listening, I really have a, a, a strong sympathy for people who lost somebody suddenly because I still haven't had that experience. So I always try to make that clear in the show that these are jokes based on my experience and I know that not everyone will be able to identify with uh, 
with my experience. So I would hate people to ever think that. No one ever would. No, no one ever would. It's like uh, people who lost a loved one during the pandemic and the COVID funerals. I mean, my heart just broke for families and and what they went through was, you know, I mean, it was tough enough to be losing a loved one without being able to embrace each other or, you know, having to pick 10 people who could go to the church. It was just hideous. It was just Ah, awful. On the the, the sort of slightly funny side of that, yeah, I wrote the show about my mother, like immediately after my mom died, you know, it was a, this was supposed to be a 2020 show and I was in the Everyman in Cork, Mark 6th, 7th and 8th. And then the, the, the next weekend was canceled and me and mama didn't get back on stage in Ireland until uh, February of 2022. So I never thought that two years would pass, but I literally had a joke in the show. Anyone who was at the show in the Everyman in March 2020 will have heard me make a joke about social media and how uh, I was posting at my mother's wake and funeral and people criticized me and I was saying that, well, why would you not post? Because you post every day. Why am I going to pretend that death isn't part of life? I post everything else in my life. Why am I going to pretend this isn't part of life? And you better get used to it because when the millennials and the Gen Zs start losing their parents, they've never off their phone. So everything of the funeral is going to be on the phone. In fact, I think in the end we're not going to have to go to funerals. It'll just be what? a FaceTime live and you grieve through oh. emojis, which was a joke. It was a joke in 2020. Ha ha. I never knew that literally within three months that would be yeah, a premonition yeah. and a reality. And now I don't even do that joke at the show because everyone just thinks about how sad yeah. that was, that that actually happened. Whereas it was actually a funny, you know, to make a joke about crying emojis in 2020 at a funeral was funny. Whereas now it's just kind of like sad that we actually had to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And is the show, is it, is it emotional at times though for you? Because at the end of the day, you are talking about the loss of your mother. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a stand-up comedy show plus. I mean, I do not hide from the fact that my mom died. I mean, the the the, the, the presence in the show is loss, you know, and it's a show that wants people to be aware of that. It's not afraid to be sad at times, you know, and I mean, I'm very clear in the description of the show. Like, it's not uh, a normal, you know, stand-up comedy show. But people who saw my dad was an A. James Bond know that, you know, I, 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 I like doing that. I And I, I don't, I, it's not just me saying I'm great, but I also like other comedians that take a, a, a journey down a narrative that sometimes isn't funny 100% of the time. Now, this show is uh, funny most of the time, and when it's not funny, it's deliberate, and I think it's appreciated by people because at the end of the day, people don't just identify with the laugh. They identify with the emotion of loss of grief, and even people that haven't been through the loss of their parents, uh, it, it's still an interesting thing to watch and experience in a in an entertaining way so it's not afraid to touch on that stuff well and uh, I think the show is better for it well done well, well done what, what do you think your mother Eileen would she approve of it well <laughs> I have the joke in the show that just in case as an afterlife I had to do a show because if I if I saw her in the afterlife the first thing she'd say would be Oh, your father got a show. How come I didn't get a show? You know, and you know, in in truth, I don't mention this in the show, but my mother always made fun of me, saying that she wouldn't get a show. And I said, if I did a show about you, it would be a comedy. It'd be a melodrama, you know, because our relationship was a lot more complicated. And you know, so I, I think I absolutely think she would approve. She loved the experience that we had with my dad, and, and I think that she she would probably love not only that I did a show about her, but also the allegory of the uh, essentially the warning shot, which I won't give away because in the show, but essentially the warning of perhaps wasted years that my mother was 
uh, open with me about towards the end of her life, you know, in terms of anxiety and stress uh, and her own sort of backstory. She would love that she was able posthumously to motivate perhaps parents that are younger than her to not make the mistakes that she made. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm sure she would be happy that that message lives on through me. I think she'd be bursting with pride, uh, Des, I, I really do. And it, it, and obviously, with the timeline, did, did your mum get to meet Hannah before she died? No. Was she oh, alive? No. No. She was, no. She, was de- she was dead quite a while. Was she? Uh, okay. Yeah, no. She, uh, the, the, the whole pandemic was really how I met Hannah. So, you know, my mother was gone before the pandemic, which, of course, was kind of a blessing and a curse because... My mother was ill for a long time, and she lasted another year. God knows we probably would have lost her during the pandemic. Who knows? It's very easy to get into the hypotheticals. But all that happened a- after she was gone. So, unfortunately, and I, I do have to say, I mean, I'm, I've said it to Hannah, and I've said it to people. Like, it, takes, it takes a little bit of the, it, it's just a presence at the wedding that I wish wasn't there, this sense of them not being there. But that is part of life and part of grief, is that there will be moments where you wish they were there, and they're not there. And that's just part of it. You can't pretend that that's not there. Yeah, and so many people have to go through that. But, you know, we always yeah, believe that. Yeah, people have it in so yeah. many different ways. They're you with know, you in spirit. be born, and, you yeah. know, whatever. So many experiences that you, you'll feel the, the absence of someone. Yeah. Even a dog. I, I don't dismiss people's grief over their pets. Like, it, it, it's still grief and it still hurts. But you're even, you know, watching some of the poor old Ukrainian refugees uh, coming with their dogs and their cats uh, with them. And you can see they're part of the family. I know. <laughs> sometimes I'm critical of humanity because sometimes I feel like we only truly uh, can uh, understand the gravity of a tragedy when animals are affected. <laughs> I don't know why that is. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. you know, we see like the animals in the zoo suffering and we're like, I know, this is too much. <laughs> you know, like, and for some reason, we sometimes, I'm only joking, but I do think that sometimes it is an animal that makes you go like, no, this is too much. Like, it's just too tragic. I know. And, peop- and there are people who will donate to animals before they'll donate to human beings. There'll always be people uh, like that who, who put animals ahead of humans. Listen, it's been a real pleasure. There are still tickets available, are there, for the Ballymun? There's about store? 20 tickets left. Oh, OK. So get the, there, get, the last time get on their tickets. website quick. They, they, they sell them through Eventbrite. You go to the Ballymaloo Grain Store or Google Des Bishop Ballymaloo and it'll pop up. You've played there. Have you played there before? Oh, it's the best. Yeah, I mean, it's like, great. It's a because great Because you stay in the house as oh. well. So it's a whole. <laughs> Hannah's actually coming over. Oh, uh, is she? Brilliant. So Hannah will be here for the show. And, uh, you know, my dad was grew up in Middleton. Yeah. My dad's ashes are spread in Valley Cotton. I actually talk about that in the show. So uh, that, that's one of the... Uh, it's kind of a location that has a bit of uh, a bit of meaning in the show. But my, my mother's mother was from Glengarriff. So even in Cork, there's a lot of Cork stuff in the show. So... Cork people really get it. There's a you know? sense of coming home with it. Well, there really is, yeah. yeah. But my, uh, literally, it's well, the only. I, I very rarely get down to Ballycotton where we spread my father's ashes. But every time I do the Ballymother Grain Store, I do head down there. So it's a, it's really a bonus for me. Well, the sun is shining at the moment, and please God, it'll be shining. I know. Next I wish it was this week. Honestly, yeah. don't don't. It hurts me. I was joking about that yesterday, but I can't take the anxiety of good weather in Ireland because you feel like you have to do everything. <laughs> it'll be fine you next do, week. You need to go out and buy more clothes to wash more clothes <laughs> so you can get more clothes dry. <laughs> Des, we leave it there. Listen, and we're looking. You're on the late late tonight as well. I'm told. No, that's not. I'm not on the late late. Are you I, not? Did, I did Tommy Tiernan there recently. Oh, you know you what? Did. I, I saw you on Tommy Tiernan. Actually, you were excellent. 
Yeah, I think sometimes when you Google, if, you, if you're Googling me, it looks like a story that I'm on the late, late, but it's just like, anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not on the late, late. I, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to be on the late, late tonight, but I'm in that loan. <laughs> but, but, but go back to the Tommy Tiernan before I let you go. Uh, that was stunning. I, I, are you a fan of that program? Or have you seen much yeah, of Tommy? Yeah, well, first yeah. of all, I love Tommy. I mean, like, Tommy was a big influence on me. You know, when I started doing comedy, he was just blown up. And his style, I can see Tommy in my cadence. In my, when I look at my early stuff, I'm like, wow, I clearly was watching a lot of Tommy. So, I mean, he's always been, like, uh, like a, somebody I, I looked up to. And then over the years, you know, we became friendly. Uh, so I'm a fan of the show. And I'm a fan of the, him not knowing. But yeah. obviously, you know, like... The, the chats get very deep, but you know, overall, I was pretty happy. After the chat, I wasn't sure, but I was very happy with the response. You know, it was brilliant. It, it was brilliant, and of course, you know the the conspiracy theory. Of course, he knows. Everyone, of course, he would know. Oh, he known. absolutely and he does not know. Yeah, I one hundred percent promise you, he does not know. Wow, he's great. It's a, it's a brilliant show because and I essentially like I led the I led the beginning. You know, like you did, he you said, did, because I knew I knew that because he knows me, right? He's not going to say who are you. You know what I mean? So he. Obviously, he's most likely he's going to say what like what have you been up to? And I wanted to talk about my mom. You know that I, I wanted to talk about the the thing that I'm talking about in my show. It's the selfish thing of let me remind people that before the pandemic I was doing a show about my mother, and now I'm about to get back to doing it. So uh, you know that conversation started because I brought it up. And he, you know, so he doesn't know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 No, it was stunning. It was stunning. And my my claim to fame, even though Tommy Tiernan doesn't know this, his late mother used to babysit me. Only found that out lately. Oh, wow. There you go. All right. Listen, Des, it's been a real pleasure uh, speaking to you and um, enjoy Ballymaloo next week. And thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us. Thanks a lot. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. That is uh, the lovely Des Bishop. And I've got a little bit of good news for the many, many, many people that were contacting us earlier in the week about the Airtel teletext service, which had gone down for some reason last weekend. I've just been told that the Airtel service has been restored. We didn't get any explanation as to why it went down. But for those people, and it seems to be a lot of people, I was surprised at the number of cont- number of texts and calls we got about it, was it just to let people know. Um, and I Actually, I saw somebody else WhatsApped as well uh, to say, Patricia, let people know Teletext is back on our TVs uh, today uh, for all the people that were inquiring earlier on. So it is official. It is back. And somebody's asking about, did they hear that Leo Varadkar, did I hear that Leo Varadkar tested positive? I did. It was it was on the news. He said to cancel a number of uh, engagements and is now self-isolating. Actually, he was due to be in Cork today. He was he had engagements in Ballincolic and in Ringeskiddy this morning and this afternoon, and then there was some other Fine Gael private party functions he was due to attend. But it was earlier this morning it was confirmed that Leo Varadkar is the latest person to have tested positive for COVID nineteen, and he's now self isolating. He had been in Brussels. And yesterday, and he'd done a test yesterday and it was negative, but he did another test today and today's test was uh, positive. He's described as having mild intermittent symptoms, but is otherwise well. And he tends now to carry out any functions that he can and he intends to do it virtually. But he is the latest. I think that's the first time he... I don't remember, remember him having it uh, before. And Helen McEntee has it. It's her second time having it. And of course, we know uh, the Taoiseach now, he's got his negative antigen 
contest and he's free to travel uh, again. So yeah, uh, it's even our politicians are getting it. It certainly isn't isn't stopping anyone from getting it. And I suppose if you're travelling, it, it, you, you've got the additional chance of picking it up because if you're doing a lot of travel and you're meeting a lot of people talking of travel Anna is on saying Patricia do you need to do a PCR or an antigen test I'm due to take a flight to uh, London no they changed the requirements there was a requirement at one stage if you were travelling to and from the from England, you needed to have tests done, but that has been removed. You don't need to take uh, any kind of COVID tests uh, before travelling. You don't need to fill in a UK passenger locator form uh, before you travelled because that was something that they did need and there's no quarantine either. So no, if you're travelling to and from uh, London, there isn't any requirements. And of course, we've lifted our requirements as well in this country, but that was more to do. I don't know when they were planning on lifting the requirements coming into this country but obviously with the amount of refugees that were arriving from Ukraine they had to remove all of those requirements to allow those people safe passage and to get them into the country as quickly as possible. John from Roscommon who working in the area and has become one of our new uh, listeners was listening to Des Bishop talking about his mother and I was tying it in with the fact that next Sunday is Mother's Day and it's a, hopefully a special day for all the mammies uh, listening. Uh, John uh, was listening to me talking about Mother's Day. He said, unfortunately, I lost my mother five years ago and I lost her on Mother's Day. So Sunday will be very special for me. Oh, John, that's just so... So it, There's never a right day to lose a much-loved mother or indeed a much-loved father. For, but for a mum to pass away on Mother's Day, that is particularly hard for you. And I do very much think of people who, who don't, whose mothers are no longer with them. And particularly those early few years, those, um, the first one, I think the first Mother's Day after the loss of a mother is always really, really difficult because everywhere you go, it's a wash with, like all the supermarkets are a wash with, you know, post up reminding people it's Mother's Day and there's flowers and chocolates and there's cards everywhere and it is very very difficult if you're in that very raw stage of of grief and you know for many people they never get over the loss of a much loved mother or a much loved uh, father so John my heart goes out goes out to you I hope you're doing okay 0818103103 our lines are open and then John also says morning Patricia this was on the pubs this was the email that I read out where I was talking, where the listener was talking about a local pub where an 18-year-old who turned 18 in January and herself and her friends got all dressed up to go out on St. Patrick's Day to get to the door of a pub that they use. It's kind of the the most popular pub in their local town. Went to the door to be so sorry girls, not tonight. It's over 21s. And this listener has contacted us is in her 30s, was making the point. She thought that was very unfair. She thought it was ageism was going on. But she also was making the point that are the publicans, you know, almost cutting off their nose despite their face because th- those 18, 19, 20 year olds are the young people that are out every single weekend whereas the older people who perhaps went out on St. Patrick's Day they mightn't see them again for another few months or they mightn't be out again maybe until another bank holiday or there's an event on and you know this listener thought it was really, really unfair and that publicans shouldn't treat regular customers in that way. Whatever about deciding if it's a very busy night and you keep it just for the regulars and how often do you, do you hear doormen say that you're not a regular, it's for regulars 
pubs uh, only. And there are pubs that only allow over 21s. I know of pubs that's only over uh, 23s. But this particular pub tonight, for example, those 18-year-olds will be more than welcome to come in. And if it's a quiet night, they'll be particularly welcome to come in. But last week, when they wanted to go out on St. Patrick's Day, they weren't allowed in. John also felt, like our listener who contacted us, that that was very, very unfair. And John says, if they turned me and my friends down in my local, do you know something? I'd never step foot in that pub again. The publican has to remember, in three years' time, those 18-year-olds will be the ones who are turning 21. Where will they want to have their 21st? Maybe in that uh, particular pub. There'll be weddings, there'll be hen parties, there'll be lots of different occasions that they'll want to celebrate. And uh, John, John's advice would be to those young people never to go back inside in that pub again, which I can understand. And it was, it was my instant reaction as well. But then as the listener who contacted us said, uh, it's kind of the really liveliest, the biggest bar, the most popular bar, I imagine, in that particular town. So it's the bar where everybody seems to go. So at 18, you mightn't have a lot of choice about where else they can go, you know. And if they're going out for a night out, it's not that they're able to jump into the car and drive to the nearest town or the nearest village or somewhere else where there is another bar. So I can, I can, I can, can, can understand it, but I can also understand the frustration on behalf of those uh, young people. Trish in Blackpool says, a man just called to her with her census form. He wasn't wearing a mask. She told him to back up before she would open the door. She put on, on her mask to take the form from him. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. The lady, it was a lovely lady called to me with the census form. I can't remember now if she was wearing a mask or not. I mean, they're doing everything by the book. So if he wasn't wearing a mask, he's probably been told he doesn't have to wear a mask. But you're well within your rights, Trish, to do as you've done. And people are trying to protect themselves. But remember, the mask mandate is actually gone. So there's no requirement, I take it, for that gentleman to actually wear a, a mask. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. And a reminder to you that today is Daffel Day, so please continue to support the Irish Cancer Society wherever you are. There was a number of coffee mornings. Most of those have finished up, though, at this stage. Some of them are all day events. So if you come across them, please donate and be generous. The Dance in Kilbehany Community Centre for tonight, that has been cancelled. But a fundraiser is going ahead in Clondrohage Community Hall tonight. Drinks and finger food reception is at 7.15. Now, this was an event that had to be rescheduled so all tickets purchased for November are still valid Entertainment tonight will be with Jim and Seamus and if you'd like further information you can email clondrohage2022 at gmail.com Ballonhasset Community Development they've got Kaylee Sets with Jer Murphy and Huey Kennedy that's tonight at half past night it's in the Marion Hall admission is 10 euro and it does include teas Bingo is on in the Mallow GAA complex tonight. They have got a jackpot of 2,450. Kildallery Bingo, that will be held in the newly renovated old store in the Creamery Yard tonight. Starts at 8. There is an option to play inside or outside in the car. They've got a jackpot of €1,880. 
and a charity fashion show in aid of the Blackwater Sub-Aqua Search and Rescue Unit in Formoy is going to be held in Aragon Community Hall tonight at 7. Tickets are available locally in Formoy, in Kilworth, in Mitchellstown and in Aragon or you can call 087 13702. Three, four. And an afternoon tea dance uh, for Gagin Hall this coming Sunday has been postponed due to unforeseen circumstances. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. And a text in reacting to my interview with uh, Des Bishop, who I have to say I really enjoyed. He's one of those guys you could just sort of sit and chat to all day. He really is a lovely guy. Um, hi, Patricia. Uh, this is from Trish. Uh, when I heard Des Bishop talking to you there in the programme, it is so good hearing an American with Cork roots having an Irish accent rather than an Irish person going to America for two weeks and coming back with some thick new. York accent yeah and Des well he's he's very much still has his American accent he's been in Ireland uh, such a long time now as well he's got kind of a blend of both but yeah there's nothing worse than somebody who goes away I remember having a friend of mine who literally went to this was years ago went to London for a weekend and came back with a very thick London accent <laughs> she lost it fairly quickly I can tell you that um, Hi uh, Patricia I had to tune out there for a while I'm just wondering did I, did I miss an answer to my question about antigen testing I'm the person going to Lanzarote Anna no Anna you, yes you did miss the answer uh, yeah we had a number of people are just back from Lanzarote and you don't need to have an antigen test or a PCR uh, test but you need to have your COVID certificate and somebody else was making the point make sure you have loads of masks with you because they were very very strict about mask wearing now on Ukrainian refugees settling in uh, Ireland here's a lovely email in from a listener uh, says hope you're all doing well on this lovely morning you couldn't help but smile with the weather so beautiful. I've been involved with helping Ukrainian refugee families settle in my hometown of Kinsale. A practical suggestion for any queries you may get either at your workplace, school, college or even just chatting amongst your friends and families as to how you can help those that are arriving to settle here. Purchasing grocery vouchers at your local Supervalue, Lidl, Aldi, Dunstore, Centra, Tesco etc. Grocery vouchers can be for small amounts, as little or as much as you can afford. Talk to the local store manager. Tell them you want to buy a voucher and tell them to keep the voucher in the store for collection. That way then it will be collected by by Ukrainian refugees once they come in producing their ID. This way it keeps money and admin work out of the whole process. It can be done as part of your normal shopping experience and also you're helping somebody whilst doing your own boring weekly shop feel free to pass on this suggestion to other like-minded people. Yeah, and, you know, when we were speaking with the young Derek Daly, the guy from Botswana who's organised the, Gof- the GoFundMe page for the refugees that have arrived in Botswana, and as he said, the ones that will arrive into the future. People just want to help. People are just so good and so kind. And uh, I think we're all just so careful that uh, we're all just so thankful that the situation they're going through, you know, that it isn't happening in our country and it's still you know, it's hard to believe it's only a month ago and that you know just a little over a month ago they were heading into a very normal weekend living their normal lives and suddenly the upheaval and some of them find themselves you know displaced out of their own country it just is truly shocking and just just let me stay on the refugees for a moment and a reminder to you about Carnies of Mallow it's a bus company in Quartertown in Mallow what they're doing it's tomorrow they're placing a bus at the Mallow Motor Factors on the Limerick Road. They'll be there from half past nine 
tomorrow morning until two o'clock in the afternoon and they're looking for people. They have a specific lift, list of items that they know that are needed either in Ukraine are needed on the border for the refugees coming through. So the idea is that they, the bus will be placed at the Mallow Motor Factories tomorrow and then they'll bring the bus back to Sheen's Butcher's Warehouse in Quartertown. Then it gets offloaded off the bus and gets put onto an Arctic trailer and then it will make its way to Ukraine. So they're looking for all of the, any type of non-perishable food items and canned goods. They're also looking for blankets and then under toiletries they're looking for shower gels and shampoos, toilet rolls, toothpastes and toothbrushes, deodorants, for the babies they're looking for nappies and formula baby bottles which must be sealed any sort of sanitary products baby wipes from a medicine point of view they'll be collecting Calpol for the children and Panadol for the adults and if you want to throw in some colouring books and crayons and chocolate for the children they'll all be very well received so good luck to everybody Carnies of Mallow uh, placing that bus at the Mallow Motor Factors tomorrow from half nine on till uh, two and a reminder of uh, census will be we'll be talking more about the census next week because of course we'll be coming up to the weekend where we'll be all required to fill in our census but just a reminder to you on Monday we're going to be talking around the time capsule part of the census if you've received your census form you'll know at the very end of it there's a little section that says time capsule and you can put right whatever you want in it and we'll be asking and you can tell us if you've already come up with what are you planning on writing into that time capsule it is optional you don't have to do it and I mentioned that I heard of one woman who's putting in her grandmother's brown bread recipe that she reckons is probably about almost 100 years old so by the time they get to see it in 100 years it'll be 200 years old and I think that was a lovely quirky thing to include. We're going to have two local historians join us on the programme just to give us their suggestions of what they think would help people into the future and would help historians into the future particularly social historians what would they like us uh, to be talking about but just if you have been I know of a lot of people who've received their their census form and have been just flicking through it because it's, it's, it's like a little book there's, there's so much uh, work in, inside in it but a number of people have copped one particular question which is categorising Northern Ireland as a separate country. It's question number nine that householders are asked if they've ever lived outside of the Republic for a year or more. And if you answer yes, then you have to, if you took up residence anywhere outside of the Republic, they ask you which country did you last live in before that date? Now, the question is designed as a simple way of capturing the diverse backgrounds of Ireland's many migrants, naturalised citizens, emigrants, and of course, we have so many returned emigrants. So they're trying to get a sort of a picture on that. But for anyone who spent their time outside the Republic but lived in Northern Ireland, leaving it blank is not the correct thing to do. You've got to give the answer as Northern Ireland, which some people would say is technically incorrect because Northern Ireland is not a separate uh, country. And it will also be unpalatable for some people to actually have to write down Northern Ireland and make it look like that it is a separate country to our own. Now, the Central Statistics Office is asking that people answer Northern Ireland in the country space if that's where you spend time outside of the Republic. And question nine, the CSO says, is included on the census as it generates statistical data that the CSO is legally required to produce under EU law. So that's the reason for it. It is in the Central Statistics Office are differentiating between 
South, between the Republic and Northern Ireland. It's actually an EU law. And the Central Statistics Office stressed that other questions on the form refer to Ireland as including Northern Ireland, but requested that people accept the wording of question nine as it stood. So that's anyone who's lived out, lived in Northern Ireland for a year or more, they are, have to put down Northern Ireland. That is the correct uh, answer. And the census forms now are being distributed to almost two million houses. And the night of the census form is Sunday, April the 3rd. So it'll probably be this day next week. Well, certainly this day next week, we will be reminding people that it is the following Sunday night. But as I say, it's not going to be very palatable. Some people are going to really, really object to writing down Northern Ireland, particularly as it's what country did you live in for for 12 months or more and people will just find that uh, really really difficult 0818 103 103 Bernie taking your calls I mentioned poor old Leo Varadkar is down with uh, COVID and I was planning on mentioning Leo Varadkar on the programme today because a third rate of income tax which will put more money into the pockets of the squeezed middle income air earners. According to Leo Varadkar, the Thonisha, it's expected to be announced as part of next October's budget. Now we all know that inflation is continuing to put pressure on families and Leo Varadkar earlier this week had suggested that a 30% rate of income tax would help what so often is referred to as the squeezed middle. These are the people who are working really, really hard and are just finding everything is going up and they've literally no wriggle room in whatever money is coming into the household every week. So Leo Radker has now asked the Finance Minister, Pascal Donoghue, to take a look at this and seemingly he brought it up a couple of months ago but obviously now it's more important with the fact that inflation is rising all the time. Now other government sources appointed to the programme for government which does allow for tax credits and bans to be index linked to earnings from 2022 but it doesn't suggest a new tax uh, grade but it was Leo Varadkar was, was saying we need to do something and it was he was the one that suggested this new 30% tax ban um, now Fine Gael policy somebody was asked is this Fine Gael policy and Fine Gael policy according to a spokesperson for Leo Varadkar Fine Gael policy remains the widening of the income tax band so fewer people would have to pay at the higher 40% rate it is in the programme for government and remains government in a Fine Gael po- policy of that being implemented but the Thornisha has asked Pascal Donoghue just to look at could it be possible to introduce a third tax Band, and he first floated the idea of this middle tax band in a speech that he gave in it was a, an institute of international and European affairs, and he was making the point that workers suddenly go from paying tax at twenty percent and they suddenly jump to paying tax at forty percent and they may their income mightn't have gone up by very much, but it just pushes them over into the next tax band and He pointed out that we in this country we're a low tax economy in the round, but we're not low tax when it comes to income tax, particularly for that for those middle income earners and who are middle income earners it's anyone on their own who's earning. 38,000 and over and for a couple it's anyone between a combined income of 
between 60 and 70,000 and they are deemed the squeezed uh, middle and for them they will go from the 20% tax rate to the 40% tax rate and Eve Radker and I think a lot of people in that squeezed middle will agree and would very much welcome if there was a third rate another rate of income tax and it would be 30% somewhere in the middle. 0818103103 Bernie taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103103
um, uh, there's a lovely kind of sense of Spielberg in this, and you know, there's a lovely opening um, moment, for example, with the little boy when he's in the forest with a torch. That's very ET, and I really, really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed the first forty minutes of the film. I thought it was extraordinary. Went because it was kind of concentrating on the old kind of time travel kind of uh, situation. And then about forty minutes in, it kind of decides, well, we're not going to bother with that anymore, and then we're going to become an action movie, a kind of a, a sci-fi action movie like kind of Spy Kids. So from then on, there's a lot of action sequences with a lot of CGI. And it's really, really entertaining and very, very enjoyable. But for me, I thought the best aspect of it was when it was concentrating on that whole time travel thing. There's a lovely moment, for example, um, within that first 40 minutes where Ryan Reynolds, as the older gentleman, meets his mother in a bar. Jennifer Garner plays her mother. Now, she doesn't know who he is. And they have this kind of lovely kind of scene where she talks about her son and the difficulty with him. And he was like, no, be patient with him. He's going through a few things. <laughs> and it's a, it's a really, really lovely moment. But at no stage does she turn to a go, do I know you? Which kind of disappointed me. And I would have liked to have seen kind of way, way more of that. You know, one of the issues and one of the things, a common thread amongst a lot of um, of Spielberg's films, for example, uh, are, are, are family troubles because he had a very difficult relationship with his father. And there's a lot of that here. There's a lot of kind of kind of family issues. And I think there's a little bit too much of that because there's far too much conversation about that. And a lot of the times they, they kind of uh, regurgitate and kind of repeat kind of issues that they've already spoken about in the past. And I think all of that kind of stuff could have been edited out and made, again, the film a little bit shorter. Because, again, with Netflix, uh, you know, there's no Louis B. Mayer, for example, standing over them going, maybe you should do this or should not do this. And I think that's what happens with uh, Netflix sometimes. They basically just give money to directors and say, make what you want. And also, of course, they don't test audience films that have that drop on Netflix. And I think test audiences are very, very important because it's the fans going, we like this and we don't like that. And then they come back uh, and they can change it. Having said that, is it enjoyable? The whole thing is very, very enjoyable. The CGI is very, very good. I did love the kind of repartee, the kind of the charisma between Ryan Reynolds and this young boy by the name of Walker Scoble is very, very good. They are very, very uh, clever and very, very good together. And it was good to see Mark Ruffalo and uh, Jennifer Garner back on screen again. Because do you remember the film 13 going on 13? I do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there have been hints that this is kind of a follow-up to that, (laughs) and maybe it is. I think the director loves 80s and early 90s films, and he wants to put that on screen because there's your E.T. bit, there's your Terminator, there's Back to the Future, that there's your Field of Dreams moment. And in fact, he's been criticized for that because they say, well, look, you're, you're a movie kid, therefore you want... You know, you, you, you repeat what you've seen as opposed to try and be original. But I think that's a little bit unfair. I think it's well worth uh, the watch. But as I said, I think the first half of the film is way better than the second. OK, and it's on Netflix, you said? It is indeed. Netflix. OK, mark it out of 10? I'll give it six. Six out of 10, OK. And it's called The Adam Project. Now, the second one, Clifford, The Big Red Dog. Uh, do you know of this? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Oh, well, I do, yeah, because um, uh, when my daughter was a little girl, uh, she had the book, and um, uh, and so I do up Clifford the Big Red Dog, as I will a number of parents, I think. And also, back in 2004, I think there was an animated film about Clifford as well, and here is the live-action version from Paramount, even though this is the most Disney film I've ever seen in my life. So Paramount obviously looked at the at the Disney way of doing things and went, okay, we're just going to repeat that. And, and why not? You know what I mean? So basically, we, you know, we, we meet this little girl. She lives with her mother 
uh, her father is uh, has passed, and um, and she's a bit on the lonely side. She is having difficulty at school. She's being bullied. She's quite lonely. She wants to have a puppy, but her mother says no. You can't have a puppy. She then bumps into um, John Cleese, who's playing uh, this character called Bridwell, which is named after the writer of uh, the Clifford books, and um, and he has this tiny little red puppy. Now the red puppy. Um, makes his way into her satchel. She doesn't know the red puppy is uh, in the satchel. She brings it home. And then the very next morning she wakes up, the puppy is 10 foot tall. It's, it's the size of the room. Um, I thought they kind of missed a trick there. I thought initially, I thought, look, maybe it would have been better to have seen the puppy kind of grow over time. So therefore, <clears throat> and they don't realize just how big the puppy is going to get rather than go from kind of puppy into this huge 10 foot dog. But obviously that's what the books are are about. That's what the original film was about as well. The CGI is beautifully done. The little puppy, as you can imagine, is absolutely gorgeous. And basically, even it's not an adult dog at at 10 feet tall. It's still a puppy. And so therefore, um, still portrays all of the kind of um, the personality of a puppy as well. A couple of odd things about the film, though. Darby Camp is, uh, plays the, the young girl here. Now, she, the film is set in New York. She's got an American accent. Her mother, uh, Sienna Guillory here, is English, and she's got an English accent. Her brother, which is Darby's uncle, mm. is played here by Jack Whitehall. Now, you know who Jack Whitehall yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. The English stand-up comedian. Yeah. For some reason, they've decided to give him an American accent. And <laughs> it doesn't work. He cannot do an American accent where all the R's are really over the top and you're like, no. And the thing is, is that, you know, he, he, the, the reasoning he gives is that he went to New York as a two-year-old, so therefore became American. And he then takes the mickey out of Sienna Guillory's kind of English accent all the time. It's very, very odd. Because John Cleese is not only in it, but he also does the voiceover as well. So there's a lot of English accents. Why they didn't give Whitehall his, his English accent, I don't know. But well, especially when the sister, when, you know, it was explained that the sister was English. So it could be yeah, exactly, strange yeah. in England. Yeah, It's very strange. And so Jack Whitehall spends a lot of the movie taking the mickey out of Sienna Guillory's English accent. And it's very strange. Do you know how there are words over here in Britain and Ireland that are rude, that the Americans use, but they don't realise they're rude? Yeah. There's one word, I've got to be very careful here. There's one word that starts with B and sometimes ends in an X. Yeah. You can spell it a little bit differently. Jack Whitehall uses that word in the film, which is a PG rated film. And he must know, he knew, he knew what he was doing. And so beware, that word is in there, you know what I mean? Um, But it's quite funny when it's actually used. The other thing about it is that one of the criticisms of it was that uh, there was way too much toilet humor. Because, of course, if you've got a 10 foot dog, you could imagine the weight that that 10-foot dog would, would, would produce. Oh, but, but, I, but, but I can tell you, that, but there's, there's only one little bit about that, and it's, and it's basically about its number one. Don't worry. And it's actually a very, very funny scene. So if you hear that it could be worse than it is, it, it, it's not. The CGI is very, very good and very, very well done indeed. I thought it was really entertaining, I have to admit. I thought the soundtrack was extraordinary. I thought that was very beautiful. Got an incredible cast. I mean, they've also managed to get people like Tony Hale, Horatio Sands, David Alan Greer, Russell Peters, Paul Rodriguez. I mean, they've got a terrific cast here of people who desperately wanted to be in this film. It's very heartwarming. It's very sweet. It's very cute. You know, you might normally with a film like this, you'd say 10 under, but I think 12, 13 year olds and, and then under, I think, will really enjoy this. I think a lot of parents will enjoy it as well, along with their kids. I thought it was very sweet and very heartwarming, uh, beautifully done, and I really liked it. Yeah, and I like those kind of movies. I think we, we can do with a complete distraction with everything that's going on at the moment. Exactly. Okay, so Clifford, the big red dog, mark it out of 10. 
I'll give it eight. Eight out of ten. All right, listen, thank you for those suggestions and we'll chat to you next Friday. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, and Ken Parrott from the C103 Street Fleet joining us to remind us that today is the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day. We're in the city centre at the moment and we're here supporting Daffodil Day with the Irish Cancer Society. It's one of those days in the calendar year that is one of the most important for the Irish Cancer Society. We're right outside Brown Brown Thomas with the vintage fire engine. We've got the help of the fire service in Anglesey Street with shaking buckets, selling daffodils and lots to do. Come and see us as people getting pictures in the vintage fire engine. Bring the kids along. It's great to see, but do support it wherever you are across the city and county. And if you are in the city, pop along and say hi to us outside Brown Thomas with Cork City Fire Brigade and the Irish Cancer Society for Daffodil Day. Cancer.ie for more details. I'm Ken Parrott with the Street Fleet on C103. Thanks, Ken. That's what I do for today. Thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced Talk to you Monday at 10. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.